0: Good evening everyone, welcome. For those of you who are in Conchapel and those of you who are streaming at home or watching it later, welcome to Sinai Temple for our, I don't want to call it an event, but a uh, welcoming back our friend, Vasa Maid. Um, if you saw or didn't see, but we put out a little Instagram reel Um, In 2021, I apologize if you're hearing this for the second time, but Basamed stood right here on a Friday night in 2021 and he predicted a lot of the events that we are seeing today, Um, not the actual event of October 7th, but in terms of the uh, Gaza aspects and Hamas leadership and if things didn't turn around, what could possibly happen? And so it's uh, a prophetic voice that we hear this evening. Um, If you have not heard of Basamed yet, and many of you already have, a quick uh, bio, Jerusalem-based political analyst now living in Jericho, human rights pioneer and expert commentator in Arab and Palestinian affairs, born in Jordanian-occupied old city in East Jerusalem, whose place of residence became UNRWA, United Nations Refugee Works Agency, refugee camp of Shuafat. His first 33 years he lived in Shuafat, rose to prominence during the first Intifada, was a senior field researcher for B'Tselem, the Israeli Information for Human Rights in Occupied Territories. In 1996, he then founded the Jerusalem-based Palestinian Human Rights Monitoring Group, which we'll hear his story this evening. 2006, assumed the role of chairman of the Center for Near East Policy Research. If you have not heard his voice, you're gonna hear it for the first time, and it's a voice that you're gonna continue to listen to. Uh, if you have not seen some of his articles recently, in Newsweek, in the Wall Street Journal, with Natan Sharansky, Um, really a prophetic voice and what the future can look like if the right leadership changes do occur within the Palestinian Authority and Hamas as well. Um, He has spoken here at Sinai Temple. We just had an amazing uh, dinner with our Angela and David Nazarian teen fellows and their families. He has spoken to our Sinai Temple Israel Center Rabbinical School Fellowship on Zoom, and some of those students are here to meet you in person. Uh, Most importantly, a post-October 7th voice of uh, what Israel can be, what the relationship between the Israelis and the Palestinians can be. It's entitled, Is Peace a Possibility? I'm assuming we'll have more questions and answers at the end of the evening. But Basim will present for 15 or 20 minutes, and then we'll be able to have a conversation as well. Without further ado, Sinai Temple's friend, Basim Ayd.
1: Thank you. I don't like to old mics. Do you have... Yeah, please. Yes. Yes, good evening to everyone and shalom.
0: Thank you.
1: Yeah. No, stand. Thank you, Rabbi Erez, for the introduction and for the invitation. Things, unfortunately, totally upside down right now after the October 7th. Uh, I think that on, on the October 7th, in my opinion, the Hamas proves to the world that they are a genocidal movement, that they are a brutal barbaric terrorist organization. We use to say that it probably many years before the October 7th. But unfortunately, the ears of the international community almost has been closed. They have been deaf. They prefer a deaf ears than an opening ears. This is the policy right now of the international community. I think that what's happened on the October 7th has been expected by a lot of political analysts. Because the Hamas right now much more representing the Iranian government agenda rather than the Palestinian agenda. And the Iranians paying a huge amount of money for such kind of agenda. While their people in Iran are starving, while the people in Iran has no access to that money that the government Distributing only to the terrorists' organization around the world. I have a friend (coughs) called Yusuf. Yusuf used to live in the north of the Gaza Strip in a city called Beit Three years ago, Yusuf working in a bakery in the Gaza city, father of six, working in the bakery 12 hours a day for two and a half dollars, which is 10 Israeli shekels. Eight people living from 10 shekels. A day. One night, he called me. And he said, Bassem, do you know what's happened last night? I said, really not? What's happened? He said, last night, four people came to his house. And those four people told him that they are going to build a tunnel under his house. But it's not going to be free. They are going to pay me $50 a month. A month. Then I said, yes. And what was your answer, Yusuf? He said, my answer. My answer to them. Please try to build four tunnels in there to give me $200 a month. Look how these people using the poverty of their own people. They know that he is working in a bakery 12 hours a day in 10 shekels. This is the one who probably will agree to build a tunnel under his house in probably 10 shekels a month and not $50. So the people in the north of Gaza knows very well that they are living above a huge store of gunpowder. People knows. Now, Israel asked those people to flee, to flee from there. Because Israel wants to reach those tunnels. What the Hamas did? The Hamas sent their own policemen to the entrance of those places in the north, pushing people back to their houses. Why? Because the Hamas, via the people, want to protect his own tunnels. He has his own fighters in those tenets, and if the people will leave, Israel immediately will destroy the tenets. This is unfortunately why the high number of killed people happened in the north. We used to say that in the past 17 years. Since the Hamas occupied Gaza in 2007, what the Hamas really provided to the Gaza Strip and to the Gazan people, they provided misery, poverty, and destruction. That's it. We remember how many wars almost took place between the Hamas and Israel. And who is paying the price? The civilians on the both sides. The civilians on the both sides. Mm -hmm. This is a big trouble. This is a big trouble. The impression today of the people in Gaza that the war that Israel managing there almost Coordinated with some Arab countries. With some Arab countries. Because Arab countries until today, no one of them asked to stop the war. The opposite. The Arab countries urging Israel to allow more and more humanitarian aid. Even the ICJ, the International Court of Justice, never asked to stop the war. Why? Because it's illegitimate legitimate war. It's a legitimate war. And the Hamas has no place in the Gaza Strip anymore. This is what the Palestinians in Gaza want these days, how to erase the Hamas from the Gaza Strip and from the map. I'm sure that people are not talking about it. But this is the feeling of the people. I am talking with people every day in the Gaza Strip. And I know what is the feeling of those people. We are in a big trouble right now. The UN, morally, is bankrupt. And they lost their legitimacy and presence. Only two days, three days ago, the media start talking about the employees of UNRWA, who participated in the massacre of the October 7th. That's what I talk about it one week after the October 7, I talk about it, and which kind of employees we talk about teachers. We talk about teachers, not workers. Teachers from Jabalia, who start running by their bicycles after the Hamas people to abduct and to rape and to kill and to steal. Right now, Unurwah said That the employees who participated in the attack, attack, only 12. Mm -hmm. I bet you that they are over the 100. And I know very well. Now the United States decided to stop the funding of UNORA. You know how much money The United States donating every year to UNRWA? 300 million. 300 million. We need Trump back. We need Trump back to stop the aid to UNRWA. We really need him now. Now there is an investigation. (laughs) But I am a person who don't believe UNRWA. And the problem is that UNRWA is going to investigate itself. (laughs) (laughs) That's also another disaster. And who should have to be blamed on that? The donors. The donors shouldn't have to accept that UNRWA investigating itself. An outside committee, you need to do such kind of job. Now let us go to the cities. <clears throat> I am wondering what we, the Palestinians, are really benefiting from holding 136 hostages in Gaza. What that's really benefit the Palestinians? Show me. To release the Palestinian prisoners, all of them from the Israeli presence, that's impossible. That will never happen. Even if the hostages are 2,000. Recently, some demonstrations took place in Gaza by Palestinians calling to release the hostages. You couldn't ask to stop the war while you still holding 136 hostages. How it could be? Who is calling to stop the war against Gaza? Only the Hamas. Only the Hamas. Even not the Palestinian authority in Ramallah. Only the Hamas. How it could be? I remember during the first deal of the hostages three months, and probably two months ago Ismail Haniyeh in Qatar, in Doha from his six-star hotel, (laughs) made a press conference, and he called it the speech of victory. Listen to the speech of victory, what he said among the others, that the enemy comes down to our terms. But he never told us what are the Hamas terms. After 15,000 people has been killed, after 30,000 injured, after half of Gaza has been destroyed, you are calling this a victory? If the victories, if our victories like that, imagine how our defeat is going to be. And the people who are making the issue of the hostages more and more complicated are not sitting in Gaza. They are sitting in Doha. They are sitting in Doha. (coughs) They are not in Gaza. I believe if they were in Gaza, it probably they will be a little bit much lighter negotiating. But when you are so far away, you are not feeling the pain, the pain of your own people. This is the problem. Today, I receive an email that there is a demonstration on Friday in Washington, D.C., for the hostages in front of the Qatari embassy, and people ask me if I can go there and to give me six minutes to talk about the issue of the hostages. I have no problem to go there and to show the demonstrators over there the real face of Qatar. The real face of Qatar. So, now everyone is talking about the day after. What is after? So many things. So many things to do after. The American administration imposing pressure on Israel that the Gaza Strip must have to be ruled by the Palestinian Authority. I am totally against. I don't think that the Palestinian Authority can rule the Gaza Strip. My suggestion to the Israeli government, let the people in Gaza rule themselves by themselves. Let us take this case as a test case. Let us give them the chance. The Gaza Strip is divided to five different districts. Each district has its own tribe. Let those tribes rule themselves by themselves. I believe that the people probably will obey the tribe rather than obeying government or president. Let us try it for five years and to see how things are going to develop. If that style works very well in the Gaza Strip, I think that Israel should they have to start implementing it in the West Bank and to chase the so-called Palestinian Authority back to Tunisia. This is the only way that the Palestinians probably can start benefiting themselves by themselves. And I told the Israelis, that if the Israelis demanding security from those tribes, Israel should have to provide a good economy. Economy is very important. Without economy, people couldn't function. A tribe couldn't function. We need a strong economy here. Now I heard recently that the Israeli government start contacting those tribes. And Israel also asked Egypt to be involved in this issue. Because the Egyptians know those tribes very well. And they can contribute from their own experience towards that. Let's hope that the tribes will accept it. Let's hope that Abbas in Ramallah is not going to threaten those tribes, or to kill them, or to harass them, or to do something wrong to them. Because Abbas don't want anyone to rule the Palestinians except himself. So while we are trying to bring, probably, some solutions towards the conflict, I think that there are others who are trying to add oil to the flame. Among them is the Palestinian Authority. Now, Israel has a lot of things to do in the Gaza Strip. A lot of things. Who is going to reconstruct the Gaza Strip? Friends, right now, over than 67% of the Gaza Strip almost destroyed. Over than 67% who is going to reconstruct the Gaza Strip who is going to change the mentality of the people who suffered for 17 years from the oppression of the hamas a lot of things in front of us but i hope and very soon that israel <coughs> will free Gaza from the Hamas. This is the most important thing that we should have to focus on, to free Gaza from the Hamas. Whatever those thugs and gangsters who are running from one campus to another here in the United States, calling to free Palestine from the river to the sea, first of all, I want to tell them that the river and the sea almost dry. So there is no borders here. No borders here. I think that those people are dancing on the bloodshed which is taking place between the Israelis and the Palestinians from their home, from their warm houses in New York and in Los Angeles. (coughs) <coughs> These people are not connected to the Palestinians at all. And if you want to free Palestine from the river to the sea, I want to see you in Gaza today. Go to Gaza. I believe if those people will live in Gaza for one week, they will commit a suicide. So we know what is really going on, and I don't think that the activity of these people here in the United States benefiting the Palestinians in any way. I don't think that the Palestinians even aware about their activities and the propaganda that they are making here on the campuses. Let us stop right now. And give you the opportunity for some questions. Thank you very much. Yes.
0: So uh, I'm going to ask two questions first. And then we'll uh, open it up. Um, It always surprises me. When you come and, and I read your words. And when I listen. Because we don't hear... The brave people like you that are maybe thinking this, but don't have the courage to say it, um, both where you are in Jericho, but also where we are sitting on these uh, streets of Los Angeles. Thank you um, so much. Maybe you can address anti-zionism and anti-semitism that's been a big issue here not just in los angeles actually when you speak about these protests on december 9th on the uh, third night of hanukkah here um, we had our streets literally around the synagogue flooded thankfully we have wonderful security but it was the church across the street a methodist church that had graffiti that said free gaza And we called the church saying, we're so sorry that our problems landed up on your doorstep. And there was this intersection between anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism. Is that even spoken about within the Palestinian world or is this just our problem that people are um, sort of conflating right now together?
1: Yeah, unfortunately there are (coughs) some people who misunderstanding what's really going on between the Palestinians and the Israelis. And in the meantime, there are people who are on purpose, want to create more and more scandal and propaganda to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. In my opinion, outsiders, the conflict shouldn't have to be involved in the conflict. How you can be involved? You are in Los Angeles and I am in Jericho. (laughs) How you can be involved? Let me do the job. I know how to do the job. And very well. I think, as I said, there are people who are trying to add oil to the flame. And I don't think that the Palestinians and the Israelis need is such kind of people. I think that the flame is very high right now. And we want people to help us in turn term, in term to calm down the flames, which is taking place between the both sides right now. Unfortunately, there are people who are doing it from their own ideology, and there are people who are doing it for financial reasons. As I said, the BDS people, as an example, it probably these people used to be jobless, and they found a job forever. <laughs> Because the Israeli-Palestinian conflict is not going to be solved soon. Probably, I think, that we need another probably two or three generations in terms to solve the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. So these people right now developing and growing on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict without being involved in that conflict too. Yeah. So my last question is about democracy.
0: <coughs> I actually heard a podcast by two young Palestinians, uh, one in Nazareth, who who is an Arab-Israeli, and the other who's actually from San Francisco, but lives in Sheikh Jarrah. And they were speaking about democracy, how perhaps the United States should not institute democracy in Arab countries that and then pull back and it doesn't work. And they gave an example, for instance, in Gaza in 2007, when the Bush administration says, have democratic elections, and we end up with Hamas, as opposed to the UAE and the Abraham Accords, where it's not necessarily a democracy like the United States, but it works really well for peace. Can democracy work in countries that don't want it? And should we be okay with maybe places that don't need a democracy, but can have peace? First
1: of all, the word democracy never, ever appeared in the Arab culture, at all not. Still, the Arabs consider the word democracy as a Western culture, as a Western culture. And if you believe in the Western culture, so you are godless. This is what the Muslims believes in. If you believe in the Western culture, you are godless. You are not Muslim. So to come today and to say that the American administration want to implement democracy in Palestine, I don't believe that. Because we know how the American administrations supported the dictatorship in the past. Saddam Hussein was supported by the Americans and supported by all of Europe as a dictator, not as a democratic leader. So the West knows that democracy never ever appeared in the Arab culture. And they are just using it as a kind of a design for their own people that you see we are spending X budget yearly to create democracy, (laughs) to create pluralism, to create human rights. But they know in the meantime, that none of these three important things will be implemented in the Arab countries. Okay, we're going to pass
0: it to everybody here. Uh, We're going to ask for questions, not comments, um, and we'll uh, go from there. Hi,
2: uh, my name is Angela. I am one of the Burbinic students in Rabbi Sherman's fellowship program, and I had the pleasure of hearing you several months ago in our program. I wanted to thank you for coming, and thank you for the message that you're sending. Uh, My question to you is, in 2005, when Israel pulled out, Hamas was not in leadership yet. Yet, the entire infrastructure that Israel had, built in Gaza was destroyed. Um, building upon that, I remember you saying in your lecture to us that 70% of uh, Gazans are under the age of 30. And now Gaza, having uh, Hamas having been in Gaza for 17 years and inculcated their ideology to the majority of the Gazans, uh, I am conflicted when you say that Gazans want Hamas out. I, I'm not actually not, that conflicted is the wrong word. I, I'm asking what are the avenues of for Gazans to find other information other than the ideology that Hamas is spewing so that there can be people who uh, object to Hamas I understand that a lot of the older population who had lived before Hamas are against Hamas, but how does that work? And on the West Bank in Judea and Samaria, how you had said that if there were free elections, uh, uh, there was a poll at the university taken that 70% of the students would elect Hamas. And so I have, the uh, presumption that the Hamas ideology is also overwhelmingly effective in Judea and Samaria. So how do you see that going forward?
1: Okay, thank you. First of all, I want to to say something that uh, the Israeli withdrawal from the Gaza Strip in 2005 can be considered one of the historical mistakes that Israel did since it's founded in 1948. Secondly, Israel, in the meantime, didn't try since Its withdrawal in 2005 didn't try to control the Gaza Strip from outside. What's really going on inside? What's really going on inside? Now, the Israeli withdrawal from Gaza gave the Hamas a huge popularity. Why? Because the first one who started dancing on the Israeli withdrawal was the Hamas. By saying that because of our suicide bombing, because of our rockets, because of our resistance, the Israelis withdrew from the Gaza Strip. Few months after the Israeli withdrawal, There was elections among the Palestinians, and this is how the Hamas succeed to win 70% of the legislative council seats. This is what's happened. I believe if the elections in in 2006, if those elections will take place, Without the Israeli withdrawal from Gaza, I don't believe that the Hamas will win it. So this is something that Israel also should have to calculate it much better, much better. <coughs> Secondly, you talk about the survey which is took place in the West Bank that over than 70% supporting the Hamas. I want to tell you that this number is decreasing day by day. And in the recent uh, uh, surveys, it's became something like 36%. 36, which is less than the half. I think that during the day, People are trying to realize more and more who is responsible on the destruction of the Gaza Strip these days. I think that there is a lot of talks, there is a lot of criticism, it starts developing among the Palestinians publicly against the Hamas, publicly against the Hamas. I think I, I heard one Palestinian, one Palestinian from Ramallah. He gave an interview to a local TV in Ramallah by saying how it could be that the Hamas succeed to build 700 kilometers square of tunnels and they didn't succeed to build one shelter to the people in Gaza. How it could be, this is something giving me a huge hope, a huge hope when a Palestinian in the West Bank giving a such interview to a local TV, not the CNN, not the Fox News. That's giving a huge hope. And I think that recently, I believe some of you heard that some demonstrations in Gaza start taking place, calling the Hamas to release the hostages. Calling the Hamas to release the hostages. I think that people slowly, slowly start waking up and start looking much more deeply towards the new future that they are expecting. down the road. <coughs>
3: Thank you so much. Um, I, I have, I want to follow up on what you're saying. And then I have another question. And yes, we've seen on the internet a number of, of people, um, speaking up against Hamas and to release the hostages. And it seems very promising. But for one thing, is this an act of self preservation or is it an actual change of an ideology that seeks to destroy the Jewish state? That's my first question,
1: but I don't The Jewish state... That would be Israel. Uh, can you repeat the question
0: again, please? Are they, uh, are they protesting? Are, are they saying release the hostages to just basically save themselves physically? Or how does that relate to Israel? Right, so I'm saying, ooh. <laughs>
3: Yeah, so, so what I'm saying is we, we've seen these protests and the protests obviously mean that Hamas no longer has control. Otherwise they wouldn't be able to protest, which is great. But are these people in the streets simply for self-preservation? Because they know if we don't let go of the hostages, this war is not ending. Right. Or is there hope of a shift in ideology from the people who voted in overwhelmingly A leadership, a terrorist leadership, whose sole purpose for existing is to destroy the Jewish state.
1: Yeah. First of all, uh, those demonstrators, of course, that they want to save themselves. Of course. They want to stop the war. They want to save themselves. They want to go back to their houses. This is why they ask for the releasing of of the hostages. This is not something related to the ideology. I don't think that these people right now, the demonstrators, yeah, I don't think that they are thinking about ideology right now. I think that they are talking about the current situation from today till tomorrow. You know, we used we we used to say in Arabic, feed me today and kill me tomorrow. (laughs) we used to say that in Arabic. Feed me today and kill me tomorrow. And that's exactly what these people are looking for. So it's not related to the ideology here. I don't think that the civilians in the Gaza Strip ever thought about ideology. Only those terrorists the real terrorists who are thinking about the ideology. But a simple person who has children, who want to feed them, who is looking for a job to bring them some bread, I don't think that those people are really counting anything on the ideology itself. So we couldn't, you know, mix here between the civilians and the leadership. We couldn't because, as I said, the leadership is not representing anymore. The Palestinians is not representing anymore. The Palestinians, I think that they are much more representing the Iranians. I think that they are much more representing the Hezbollah. I think that they are much more representing the ISIS which is sometimes when trying to compare between the Hamas and ISIS, I used to say that it probably ISIS more rational. More rational. So I think we have to listen to those civilians, why they are calling to release the hostages. Because they want to go back their own normal life, no more and no less. But that was October 6th.
3: How how does this represent any sort of hope for the future? We can't point and say that because people in Gaza are speaking up against Hamas, that means that there's a chance of a brighter future. If there is no shift in ideology and it's purely self-preservation, they were home on October 6th in a ceasefire. So, how does, so, so how, does, how does that paradigm shift just because people first want to go all, home and eat?
1: First of all, not all of Gaza is Hamas, and Hamas is not all of Gaza. There are a very rational people in the Gaza Strip. I know them in person. I know professors. I know ordinary people. I know workers in Gaza. Tens of thousands of people. I know in Gaza and I know exactly what these people are really looking for and what they are looking after. I think that the majority of the Gaza Strip want to get rid from the Hamas. I think the majority of the people in the Gaza Strip right now want to see a much lightened future for their own children. I think that the majority of the Gaza Strip right now want, probably, to flee from Gaza to another country around the world. The majority want to flee from Gaza these days. These days, so I believe that they should have to be a little bit patience, and I believe that it probably Israel will do the job. Israel will do the job. And only Israel is the country in the world who is able to do the job right now and to free those civilians people from the Hamas. Perfect, Tori?
4: Hi, I'm Tori. I'm also in the fellowship and we had a chance to speak about a year ago on Zoom. So grateful to be with you in person. Can I ask a slightly challenging question? Great. So you said um, that when it comes to what's happening in Israel and in Gaza right now, the people that should be involved are the people that are in Israel and Gaza and the West Bank, the people that are in the land. So my question is, doesn't that implicate us as people that should not be involved in it? And if that is the case, as people who are sitting in Los Angeles and aren't drinking our coffees, um, what is our role in this?
1: If you, mean, you mean the interference in the conflict here, right? Yeah.
4: <clears throat> See, I'm sure many people here have donated money, have done something, so they've theoretically interfered, and so then what's our role?
1: Yeah, listen, there is still there is a big difference here between a Jew who is living in New York and a Jew who is living in Betatikva. It's not the same. I think that the one who is living in Bitahtiqva much more knowledgeable about the situation. And he probably can manage things much better than the Jew in New York. Thank you for donating, yeah, for to them, but I think that they are the ones who should have to manage the conflict rather than yourself. I know that you are a Jew, you're heart with the country, but the country is not going anywhere. Don't worry about that. We still need your country there. We still need your country there. So I think that still I believe that the conflict has two faces here. The Palestinians and the Israelis. And I think that both of them one day, one day, will be able to solve it. As I said, we probably need two or three generations which means probably another 75 years we will be probably a charismatic leader will be born and it probably will be able to solve it. But I still believe that the people who are living over there are the one who has the responsibility in solving the conflict. Yeah. Uh-huh. last question, yeah okay do one more question what we do two two,
0: two. okay <laughs> and then uh afterward we'll have time right behind
2: hi um my name is Shahira Badran I'm actually from Egypt welcome and from egypt, yes I' weekend. <laughs> Oh, thank you very much. Um, I just, I'm very interested in your uh, proposal about, um, uh, people in Gaza ruling themselves. I didn't know that there were five districts and five tribes. So how do you envision them ruling themselves? I mean, for me, um, to envision that there must be somebody who has some kind of power or, or an army or, or, uh, somebody who has an authority to maintain law and order. So, so how do you envision that? Uh, moving forward and how can Israel implement that?
1: Yeah, thank you. <clears throat> Usually, tribes has power. They don't need guns, they not need you know anything they they have power. Uh, I know uh, in the West Bank as an example, when somebody killed somebody, yeah and then huge catastrophe took place in the place. yeah. Then President Abbas calling one of the head of the tribes in the West Bank asking him to be involved in the killing. And those tribes immediately going to the place and they solve it without trial, without court, without police, without anything. It looks like that there is a, 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 a price list, a price list. If you killed, you have to pay one million shekel. If you injured, you have to pay a hundred thousand shekel. If your house has been di- a, a burned by the other side, you have to pay X money. There is a list of prices. So these people has power. These people, the tribes, has power. We know that from as, as an Arab, as in Muslims, we know that since I was a child, I know that the Bedouins, as an example, yeah, the Bedouins are very strong people, very strong people. In any case of killing, we can see Bedouins are going over there and solving. The issue, I want to tell you also that probably 70% of the Gazan people are Bedouin originally, are Bedouin. These people came from Rahat in the in the south of Israel. These people uh, in, in 48 ran away uh, from Rahat to, to the Gaza Strip. So originally these people are Bedouin. And the Bedouins are very strong people who are keeping their own customs and their own traditions. So I believe that those people probably will be able to rule Gaza much better than any other political movement.
0: Maybe
1: somebody from this section, Howard. <coughs> I'm curious. Or
0: just a microphone for people at home too.
5: So in a couple of weeks, we're gonna hear Daniel Hartman, who's coming to the synagogue. And I'm sure that people will ask him about the sentiment of the Israelis about the war. A couple of, when we, we, he came on a podcast, I mean, a Zoom a couple of months ago, and he said, most Israelis are behind this, behind the Israeli government. But then I sense that there's some dissension and given the um, animosity that people have towards Netanyahu and the desire to free the hostages as soon as possible, what do you see has changed, if anything, in terms of the sentiment of the Israeli population towards this war? I
0: didn't understand the question. Has, uh, the, sen- has the feeling of the war changed in the last 114 days, as we just want the hostages freed? In the beginning, it was we support you know, Netanyahu in the war. Has that changed in Israel, do you think,
1: from See, Israelis? Uh, the Israeli public opinion, it probably can be changed 2,000 times each minute.
5: <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm living there and I have a lot of friends, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Secondly... No doubt that the hostages is the most important issue right now. The most important issue, because we are talking about 136. And they said that probably only 106 are still alive. And there is another 30 who might be killed. Still, things are not clear how many people are really still alive. Under the Hamas, <coughs> the Israelis also demonstrating in Tel Aviv, calling for a new elections. How you can make a new elections while you are under a war? How? How the army who is who is fighting in Gaza can vote? How? Listen, something sometimes stupid people, yeah standing up among the Israelis and start talking, you know, bullshit, as they said in Hebrew, Yeah, it's bullshit. Come on. Let us try to focus. Let us try to focus. Let us try to focus first of all on the war. Because this war is, in my opinion, it is the second war of independency, the second war of independency. I am a Palestinian, but also I want to see peace. We saw a lot of wars in our life. We saw more wars than peace in our life. It's enough. It's enough. We should have, I told the Palestinians, that you should have to support the war right now against the Hamas in Gaza. I am telling the Palestinians. And the hostages is also very important. But elections or to ask Bibi Netanyahu to resign. Come on. This is not logic. Yeah, this is not logic. You can change your opinion. But not so fast. Not from today till tomorrow. Try to be patient. Think about what you are really want. So I think that some demands just should have to be trashed in the garbage, And some demands... Those who are demonstrating for the releasing of the hostages, I am totally with them. I totally agree with them. They should have to do so. You know, when I heard that in Eris, a checkpoint on the north of Gaza, when they went to demonstrate and they stopped the humanitarian aid to enter to Gaza. I am with that. I am with that because everybody knows that 90% of the humanitarian aid is given to the Hamas over there, not to the people. So let us stop them. Let us stop it. People in Gaza told me that the Hamas confiscating the humanitarian aid, and on the next day, they are selling it in the black market. I know there are a lot of other questions we
0: don't have Time right now, maybe after you can chat with some people. I wanna respect Basum's time and energy. Um, if you have not followed him on X, formerly known as yes. Twitter, definitely do Google his articles. We hope that you will uh be back here soon as a voice of the Palestinian people, as a voice of hope. Uh, for the possibility of peace between Israelis and uh, Palestinians as well. This is just part of our series of Israel education as we continue. As uh, Howard said, in, on next Saturday, we'll have Rabbi Daniel Hartman for Abner Raz Goldstein Scholar-in-Residence all weekend. After that, um, Ambassador Michael Orrin will be here on the Saturday of uh, February 17th, as well as Rabbi Wolpe giving the sermon that Shabbat. And the week after, Zohar Raviv, the educator on birthright. So I hope we will see a lot of you, a lot of times over this month and beyond, really delving into the nuances and complications of what's happening in Israel. And I guess figuring out what our role is in a state, as you said, that will be there for uh, many, many years ahead. Awesome. thank you so much. Thank you. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. You Have a great night. Thank you, and have a wonderful night. Yeah. Yes, sir.